Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We are educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I just want to make sure my co-host can hear me. Can you hear me through the... I can, can you hear, hear me? You. Okay. Um, Good morning, everyone. We are going to be doing some financial modeling this morning. I don't know that I have a title for today's show, but we have an in-studio volunteer, uh, Cindy Hill, stage name, of course. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. And I'm just going to make sure your microphone is a little bit closer to you so our listeners can hear you. Um, so we have an, uh, an, a volunteer this morning who has agreed to allow us to um, create a retirement plan for her and sort of do some, uh, do some financial modeling regarding her financial future. She's a pre-retiree, hoping to retire in the coming uh, couple of years, and we're going to be doing some number crunching and some uh, modeling of her financial future to ensure uh, that her assets are sizable enough to sustain her um, her spending or, or her wishes regarding her level of spending in retirement. So I very much appreciate your time, Cindy. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I am going to, uh, we, we're going to do a screen share this morning. So if you're listening on the South Shore, um, you can I'm going to be using our financial software this morning um, to walk through this analysis. So I'm going to do this just like I would do with clients in the office, where we're going to actually be in the software. Uh, we're going to talk through some of the, um, you know, the data and talk through some of the data entry. Not not to be, you know, that'll that'll be more exciting than it sounds probably. And then we're going to do some analysis of um, of of Cindy's retirement plan and pull up some reports and kind of do some examining and maybe maybe do some alternate models if we if we get that far. Kind of all depends depends on how, we, how far we get this morning. So um, if you're listening on the South Shore, you can follow along with my screen by going to join.me on your computer at home or iPad or whatever, join.me forward slash McNamara Financial. McNamara is M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A. And so again, that's join.me forward slash McNamara Financial. And you should be able to see my screen as I walk through um, and we create this retirement model for Cindy. So, uh, and you can also, uh, of course, call the studio should you have questions for us regarding how to log, regarding logging in or, um, or just questions in general, 781-837-4900. All right, so we're going to get started. So I am sitting. Can you see my screen, Cindy? I should have thought to bring a second computer for you to follow along. But I can. <clears throat> okay. 
Um, so in advance of this um, of this show, Cindy had given me some information regarding her assets, her sources of income, her expenses, um, and a little bit of information like her uh, tax return, um, uh, W-2 from last year, so things like that. So these are just the things that in advance of a planning session with a client or a potential client, um, I would ask them to, to give me roughly this uh, same information. And that's basically so that I can just get the model started before we have um, our session. And just because nobody wants to see me, you know, keying in data. And we'll of course make some changes as we go through here this morning. But um, in order to, you know, be very efficient in our, in our working sessions, um, Cindy had given me uh, some information in advance. So I have all the data um, in the software and but we're just going to walk through screen by screen because I want you Cindy to understand um, uh, the inf the numbers that we're using this is your plan after all and 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 I want you to understand all the data inputs and then we're going to use the software to crunch all the numbers and um, and ensure that this financial plan is is uh, financially sound or, or find some variation of a plan that is financially sound to your anticipated life expectancy. So uh, this is the software that I use. I've used it for a long time. There's lots of softwares out there, of course. Um, there are, there are uh, like some simplistic versions that that um, investors can, you know, play around with on their own on different websites. And then there are versions of this software um, gear, uh, geared toward advisors that are probably a little bit more detailed. Um, and this is just one that I'm comfortable with. Of course, there's lots of different options, but um, so we're going to jump in here. I just called your plan 2019 plan for lack of uh, something more exciting. So I'm just going to walk through some of the screens here, Cindy, regarding some of the basic assumptions um, that we're making. So the software, so, so actually let me just back up one second because we talked about this off air and before we jump into the numbers. There's sort of three steps to this process, and uh, you and I, I touched on this a little, little bit before we came on the air. The first step is, uh, and to the retirement plan process, I mean, the first step is just getting the data accurate, um, making some assumptions, like things that we can't, you know, we know how we know what we have for assets, we know roughly what you're spending, we know what your income is. Um, what we don't know is what inflation rate will be. We don't know how long you're going to live. Um, we don't know what the returns of your assets will be over time, but we can make assumptions and make some educated guesses regarding those variables. Um, so step one is, is data entry and making some uh, assumptions in your plan. Um, step two is analysis and, and ensuring that we're creating a plan that is financially successful based on your wishes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes someone will say to me, you know, I'd like to retire for you. Cindy, for example, said, I'd like to retire at 62, um, you know, and, and you may or may not want to work part-time in retirement, but so the first step is ensuring that the, that, that your goals are financially attainable. Right. Um, and sometimes I unfortunately have to say, you know what, retirement at X age maybe doesn't look so financially successful. Let's work toward a model that does look successful. So that's just us changing some of the variables in the plan. So that's step two. And then step three is, I would call it like the logistics of executing on the plan. And for you, that will be, and, and really that's income planning. So that for you will be, um, you know, which of these assets are you going to draw from bearing in mind tax consequences of each? Um, and, and, you know, how much is that per month, at least at the beginning? And how does that change over time? And so it's kind of like the, log the logistics of implementing the plan. Um, and, and that third step is really something that, we just, you know, with our clients, we just kind of handle that on the back end and, they, and they're kind of like on a need to know basis or they don't even want to know. They're kind of like, we'll just handle it. You know, that's part of your job and we're happy to do that. So we'll, we'll kind of walk through those three steps today. Okay. Um, so, all right. So back to um, the assumptions in the plan. So the software will has a few defaults and we can override any of these variables here in the software. Um, so the default inflation rate is uh, in the software is 3%, but there, there's some historical information here um, indicating that actually long-term average inflation has been lower than that. So this is a very long, this, uh, if you come way down here to the bottom, um, the historical average 
of the annual inflation rate for the last 100 years has been 2.85%. Now there's lots of measures for inflation. There's lots of different inflationary measures, but uh, but in general, inflation has averaged a little bit less than 3.7, I'm sorry, than 3% for 100 years. But you can see from this chart, there's been periods of time where we've had deflation and we've had incredibly high inflation. And then in the last 20 years or so, you can see that it's kind of stabilized. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we go and look at about a 25 year average for inflation. So back to 1994, inflation has averaged about two and a quarter percent. And then in the last 10 years, it's actually been really low. And we probably shouldn't use this as our average because it's only 10 years and it's been really low post-recession. Um, so, but for the last 10 years, it's been about one and a half percent. So I generally advise, let's use something in the two and a half to 3% range, depending on whether you're optimistic or pessimistic. I've had people say to me before, I want to use 4% just to <laughs> be a little bit pessimistic and, and being pessimistic and, and using a high inflation rate is, it makes for a more conservative model. Um, and someone that thinks inflation will continue to be low, maybe they're using two, two, two percent, two and a half. But I usually use something in that range. So you, if you have any sort of uh, inclination or what you want to use for a number, you let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to use two and a half. Two and a half or three. I, okay. I, I tend to be a little bit more conservative. Okay. So let's, we'll leave it at three. Okay. Um, and again, any of these variables that we're entering here, we can just come back in and change at any time and we can run all variations of the model. Okay. So we'll leave inflation at 3%. Um, uh, milestones is when you are anticipating retiring and how long you might live, like what's your life expectancy. So again, there are defaults in the software. Software will default to age 62, but Cindy told me before the show that she was, I'm sorry, software will default to 65. Cindy, you had told me before the show you're hoping to retire at 62. And correct. you are 60 now, correct? Correct. So that's in about two years. And your birthday is like midway through the year. So it was like right. halfway through the year of 2021. So almost exactly two years from now, Cindy's hoping to pull off retirement. So we've entered that in the software. Um, We've entered um, this, I'm sorry, the software will default to an age 90 life expectancy. Statistical life expectancies per the IRS tables, or I'm sorry, the Social Security Administration's tables is actually lower. Um, For a female age 60, your life expectancy is about 85. Um, But I, again, I... I don't like to use anything less than 85 unless someone has a health, you know, situation where, where you know, maybe that or knows something that I don't know. But again, to be to run a model in a more conservative way, you want to use an, a, an older life expectancy. So thoughts on this? Well, yeah, my um, mother passed away recently at 92 oh. and my father 91. So I think we have to jack it up. Okay. Perfect. And I love it. And so, yeah, pretty much the only thing that people have to go on here other than statistics is family longevity. So um, let's, and I've had people use um, numbers all the way up to 100. I'm happy to go to 100. Okay, a little bit more conservative. Yep. It's a more conservative way to run the model. And actually on the subject, we're going to get to cash flow and expenses in a moment here. But on this subject, we can, you know, there, there, there are expenses in your life that might not be in your life at age 99, right? right. So you're 60 and you're going to be, you know, you, you would like to be, you mentioned doing some traveling when you retire. And so that's an example of something that we can have in your life now and we can reduce it or eliminate it at some point in your future. Gotcha. Because, you know, if, if you want to spend 20 grand a year traveling or whatever the number is, that might not be there in 25, 30, I'm sorry, 35, <laughs> 39 years from now. Um, so we can, we'll make all adjustments to all those when we get to the cash flow screen. So, okay. okay, so here we go for age Cindy, um, hoping to retire at age 62 and life expectancy of 100. So that's a 38 year, uh, that's a 38 year financial analysis. So nope, we, and again, we can come back and change any of these at any time. All right, let's go to um, cash flow, which is my screen of the software where we're entering income and expenses. Um, so left column here, you can see our sources of income, um, current and then in the future. And then on the right-hand screen um, are expenses. Cindy had given me um, uh, an itemization of her expenses. Some people might call that a budget, um, but just like a rough estimate of, of our spending habits now, and we're going to go through and make modifications for the future. So um, I pulled your, uh, you had given me, well, you gave me your W-2 from last year, but then you gave me your annual income of 145000 per year. 
this year. Mm -hmm. So I've entered that in, if I can go into the the details here of the software, I entered that in to cease at retirement. um, And and we have the ability to either increase that over the next couple of years with cost of living increases or leave it flat. So what what do you anticipate? Okay, leave it flat. Again, a more conservative way to run the model. So we'll leave that flat. It's just a couple of years anyway, relatively immaterial uh, variable there. Okay, so that's your current income from work. Um, There, uh, I had looked at your tax return from 2018. You gave me that. And there was some other income in 2018 of 38,358 that year. So there was um, uh, inheritance and there was an annuity. Okay. All right. Great. So that was a one-time 2018. Okay. I didn't know if there was any sort of recurring income. No. Okay. So I will delete that because that was in the past and we do not anticipate any income in current year other than your salary from work and let's say, you know, income that taxable income from your investments. Correct. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. So um, your, you had given me information regarding your social security. Security. Um, and the number you gave me was 2833 at 67, I believe is the number you gave me. Right. Is that correct? Okay. So let's we're, let's spend a few mom, a few moments on Social Security. So are you familiar with the age, your options regarding ages of collection? Yes. Okay. So I'll just, for our listeners, I'll just quickly, um, r- for Social Security, you have under, under current law, you have the ability to collect anytime between ages 62 and 70. You can collect later than 70, but you wouldn't want to because there's no longer any benefit to waiting. So the earlier you collect, the smaller your benefit will be. And the, the, the later you collect, the larger, the larger your benefit will be. So basically you get about an 8% per year increase in the amount of your monthly benefit for every every year that you delay collecting. So if you're to collect at age 70 uh, versus the number you gave me at 67, your benefit would be, what is that, 21% higher per month. So um, so number one, an 8% per year increase in the value of, uh, an 8% per year increase in that income um, is pretty good. And you don't really get a guaranteed 8% anywhere else in right. today's world. So, so that's pretty good. However, you have to balance um, it, for the people that delay collecting Social Security, most and if they're not working, most likely they're drawing from their assets to make up that gap in their life if they're not still working. And so, so for you, where you're looking to retire at 62. Um, we can run some different models regarding, you know, do, do you delay until 67 or even later mm-hmm. and draw from your assets to make up the difference, which means a heavier draw from your portfolio, right. but, a, but a reduced draw when Social Security kicks in? Um, or do you take the reduction or the reduced benefit to alleviate the draw from the portfolio, but then you have steady income in your life and then your draw from the portfolio is more consistent, but it's not as high at the beginning. Right. So, you know, and we can work through it. So it, it depends on what the markets do, to be quite honest. And it also depends on how long you live right. and which scenario is going to look the most successful financially. Um, the lo- If you do live to be a hundred. And if you live beyond (laughs) for any, for people that live beyond their statistical life expectancy, which is like early eighties for a male, mid eighties for a female, um, for people that live beyond that, it's more beneficial financially for them to collect social security later because they're getting that higher amount and it's still paying for a long time because they outlived their life expectancy. If, if someone, um, dies prematurely or doesn't make it to their statistical life expectancy, well, then they should have collected early because they would have had more years of collecting, even though it was a reduced amount. So really, the if you do a break-even analysis, which I've done in the past because I like to do spreadsheeting, it, 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 the break-even is your statistical life expectancy because what else does the Social Security Administration have to go on? Right. They don't know you. They don't know your family longevity. Actually, they probably would know their, your family <laughs> longevity if they chose to look at that information, but they don't, but they can't, they can't single anybody out and change the benefit. It's, it's just a calculation based on wages. Um, 
So, but they're not singling anyone out based on family longevity. They don't, you know, or your health or anything like that. It's not individually underwritten like insurance. It's it, this is a blanket calculation based on wages, mm-hmm. and that's it. So, the break-even analysis, the, the break-even age is your life expectancy. Okay. So. We, If you have any information regarding that, like you think you're going to live a long life, so it might be worth delaying collection of that to maximize your income from the Social Security Administration. Um, One other point just regarding Social Security in general, Cindy had mentioned to me that you might like to work part-time in retirement. And actually, I skipped over that when we were on the income screen. We'll come back to that. But you had mentioned, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do some part-time work in retirement for a period of time. Right. So for people that are um, working beyond retirement, in air quotes, so, so part-time work, if you collect Social Security before your full retirement age or your FRA, which for most people are like between age 66 and a half and 70. Right. I'm sorry, 66 and a half and 67. Um, if you are working, um, then you don't want to collect Social Security before your full retirement age because there's an offset for income. So if you make, I forget the exact number, but if you make, so prior to your full retirement age, let's call it 67. Prior to 67, if your income is over like 15000 or $16,000 a year from earnings, mm-hmm. from work and earnings, then there's a reduction in your social security benefit. So for anyone that has income of a, of a relatively substantial amount, delay collecting social security until at least your full retirement age, because then you don't have a, then there's, there's no negative effect of that income. Does that make sense? Yes. However, let's say you wanted to work until 69, at least part-time. I know you don't want to. Don't cringe. <laughs> you just cringe. I know you don't want to. But for, the, for those people that are listening, if you um, are working beyond your full retirement age, let's say you wanted to work to 69 because you love working or maybe you need to be working, um, you can collect Social Security at full retirement age and keep working and there's no offset offset, excuse me, after your full retirement age. Okay. So that FRA or full retirement age, which it will show right on your social security statement, or you can log in to socialsecurity.gov and see this. Um, there's no offset for earned income after your full retirement age. So for you, Cindy, you had given me, um, that your social security benefit is anticipated to be $2,833 a month at 67. I don't know if you, it, well, it's in your full retirement age. I, I went up. It's 66 and 10 months. 66 and 10 months. Yeah, but which is what it's calculating okay. here. What's your birthday? August 24th. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. 66 and 10 months. Okay. Um, so I'm going to put this in at your full retirement age. And again, we can always come back and modify this, but I'm just going to leave that here. We would change the amount if we collected later or okay. change or reduce it if we collect earlier. Um so I'm going to leave that in. Okay. You had mentioned you might talk, talk to me a little bit about what you're thinking post retirement from your current position, your current job. Um, not having to work at this job okay. is, is my key motivation for saying 62. Okay. Um, I'd like to travel a little bit more, yeah. spend time with my family. Yeah. I have a niece who's going to have a baby in the next year. Oh, that's wonderful. And yep. that's as close as I'll get to grandchildren. Okay. <laughs> so yep, yep, yep. I'd love to spend time with her and help out yep. and um, have flexibility yeah. that I don't have now. Yeah. So, yep. um, you know, a little travel, spending time with family down south in the warmth during the winter, yeah. not having to be cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe working part-time if I want to. If you want to. Okay. So from this model, I'm going to I'm gonna put a line item in for part-time work in retirement, but I'm not going to put in, I'm not going to assign any income to okay, that. Okay, great. I'm just going to put like a part-time work question mark placeholder, not assign any value to that because we're going to run, um, because along this theme of let's run a conservative model for you, mm-hmm. let's ignore any part-time work. Okay, great. Um, and if you end up working part-time, we can always come back and put it in if we think it's necessary. Right. Um, but let's, let's leave it at like this for now. Okay. 
Um, and Tim is giving me the two minute warning that we do have a break coming up. So I'll just kind of let's take a pause here because once we get into um, expenses, we're going to want to spend a little bit of time on that. So we won't have time before the break. Just a quick question. No pensions from pl- prior employers, correct? None. No fixed income uh, monthly pa- pensions. Nope. Okay, I'll delete that. So, um, all right. So uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm speaking this morning with um, a volunteer, Cindy Hill, stage name, of course, to protect her identity. Um, and Cindy had, we, we um, ongoing, we, we look for um, people that will volunteer to come with us on the air and allow us to create a financial plan for them. Because I, as I was saying to you, Cindy, off air, it's real, It's it's one thing to kind of talk about the financial planning process and what we do for people, but it's so cool to be able to walk through it with real numbers. And I've actually done, you know, kind of mock plans on the air before with, with kind of made up numbers, but, you know, based on, you know, situations that I'm aware of, but it's really cool to be able to take actual numbers in an actual situation and do this for someone um, live on the air. So this is our financial modeling show with my volunteer, Cindy Hill. Um, we're walking through the data entry still at this point, which will take us a little bit longer. And then we're going to start to do some analysis, which is the really fun part and start to really um, uh, analyze the plan. So uh, we're just taking a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on money and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for tuning in this morning. We're doing, I think, a super fun show. This is um, really the, the one of the components of my profession that I enjoy the most, which is um, doing, uh, creating a financial plan for someone really uh, doing some financial modeling and, and helping someone um, solve that problem. That is, when can I retire? How do I retire? What's financially feasible, um, et cetera, which I think is probably the biggest, most important question in someone's mind from a financial point of view anyway, especially as they get older. Um, so I have a volunteer this morning, Cindy Hill, stage name, of course, uh, and we're walking through the creation of her financial plan. So um, you can follow along for anyone that's listening. Um, I have a join.me session going. So if you're, uh, if you want to follow along with the, um, and see my screen, which is where you can see how we're doing the data entry. And more importantly, in, in a little bit here, we're going to be pulling up some reports and doing the analysis. That will be fun. Um, you can go to the website, join.me forward slash McNamara financial. And that will, um, you should be able to see my screen that I'm showing uh, Cindy right now and um, follow along as we create this model for her. So again, that's join.me forward slash McNamara Financial. This is one of those shows that I think is um, much more beneficial if you can not just listen to what we're talking about, but actually follow along. This is a, this is a very visual process, I think. It's, and it, it really helps if you can, um, especially when we get to the reporting stage, if you can see... Uh, the reports that we're talking about. So, um, all right, we did a lot of, we made some assumptions for Cindy. We, we put her uh, income in here and um, we're going to get to expenses now and then we're going to get to um, your assets and have some conversations regarding that. And then it's time to start doing the analysis. So uh, Cindy was kind enough to give me um, an itemization of her expenses in advance of this show. And um, so, you know, I just gave her our, you know, budgeting worksheet. You can, people can give me that information in any format. Some people spreadsheet it, some people use um, apps or, or, you know, softwares or things like that and can just export a report and send that to me. So um, however I get the information is, uh, it doesn't matter as long as I have the information and a rough idea of where money is going. And um, I, you know, as I always, as, as I've said, you know, with thousands of times, there's never any judgment on my side of the table. Actually, Cindy and I are on the same side of the table. So um, she's not judging me either, I'm sure. But um, no, what I mean by that is, you know, I, I it doesn't, I don't, uh, not that I don't care, but it's not my position to, you know, make a judgment regarding where anyone is spending their money. I just need to know. I like to have the itemization because there are some things that might change in your future and I want to be able to have the numbers so that we can modify them if we would like to or if we need to. So for example, um, 
so housing related expenses Cindy had given me, you know, utilities and things like that, upkeep of our property. Um, uh, Cindy is in a great position where you have no debt, so no mortgage on the condo. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you do have a condo fee, so I'm, I'm putting that in separately. And the only, really the only reason for you I put that in separately is because you mentioned you might want to make a real estate move at some point. Right. And so if that condo fee is going to change or be eliminated, I just wanted to have that as a separate line item. So I um, separated that out. I also generally speaking, separate out property taxes. So Cindy, you can see, I don't have a line item for property taxes here, but I do have that when we go over to this screen, which is your you know asset screen. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I do have a line item like included in your property itself. You had given me that your condo is worth about 575,000 um, and that your property taxes are about $500 a month. So I assigned that $6,000 a year property tax to the property itself just because um, assuming we have time today, which I, I hope we do, w just because when we model that real estate move, mm -hmm. I want to be able to alter those property taxes as well. Because if you go from a 575 condo in New England to a $400,000 home in Florida, you know, I don't know what the numbers are, but I just want to be able to alter that if if we would like to, if we feel appropriate, Okay. if that it's appropriate, excuse me. Um, so then the rest of your housing related, like upkeep, utilities, expenses, I grouped those together and I'm getting nine, about 2000 bucks a month for all that, you know, the rest of that housing related stuff. Um, you had given me uh, food, you know, groceries, dining in, dining out. I grouped those together as, as food and dining, 550 a month. Um, you gave me some auto expenses. You don't have a car payment right now, correct? correct. Okay, yep, under the heading of great position, no debt. Cindy, congratulations. Um, so you're giving me just, you know, gas, excise taxes, upkeep, oil changes, things like that. So I grouped those together for auto and that's 350 a month. Now I had, a, I had asked Cindy, how frequently um, do you replace your cars? And so she had, you know, told me that she typically buys a car that costs about forty thousand dollars in today's dollars, right? Right. About forty thousand in today's dollars every ten years. Um, so I plugged that into my software. Um, all these expenses, the, the other expenses I have in here, you can see that I've entered them monthly. But this car expense I've entered in as a recurring expense. So every ten years, I've indicated a forty thousand dollar purchase of a vehicle. The way that I've currently modeled this is that it will pull a lump sum from your portfolio to pay for that. Okay. Now we're going to skip ahead. You have a large cash position. We're going to cut, we're going to, we're going to get to that, but th this is, it's going to pull 40 grand from your portfolio in that given year and, and it will adjust this for inflation. Okay. So, um, I didn't know when your next purchase might be. So how 10 years, 10 years. So, so you, I, you I have a new bought. car. So you just bought a new car. Yep. So I'm going to put 2029. Gosh, that sounds crazy. Doesn't <laughs> it? 2029. Um, so I'll put a $40,000 purchase 10 years from now, and this will recur for the duration of the plan. So every 10 years. So do you account for inflation in that Yes. Number. Yes. Okay. So this will apply the default inflation number to that. So we use three percent. So th I've this by default the software will inflate every expense okay. by that broad inflation assumption, which for you is three percent. So when we analyze the cash flow, we're going to pull up a spreadsheet type report in a little bit, and it will be a cash flow report, and you'll see the adjusted okay. future value of that purchase right in there. Great. Yep. Um, and then, okay, just going through some of your other expenses, we don't need to go line by line, but okay, health insurance is one that I wanna spend a moment talking about. Um, I pulled the health insurance <coughs> Uh, expenses now from your pay stub. You had given me a pay stub. So I'm rounding to about, so you can see I have this line item healthcare now, which is a little bit less than a couple hundred bucks a month. That was your, um, the premiums that are pulled from your paycheck now. And also you put a little bit of money in the FSA, right. the flexible spending account. So I, um, I entered that right now as your healthcare related expenses. But then if you do retire at 62 and you're not yet eligible for Medicare, you actually... I think this might be mm, less than half a dozen times someone has been prepared enough to, to know what their health insurance premium will be if they retire before 65. And, I, it, and that's a guess. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a guess. It's a, I, I think it's probably not all that far off though. So um, you'll be able to go on to Medicare at 65, just right. like everyone else is eligible for, for Medicare at 65. Um, 
<clears throat> which is retiree health insurance. We just recently did a show on Medicare, actually, which is always um, appreciated because that can be complicated. Um, so if Cindy retires at 62, there's a three-year gap before she's eligible for Medicare. And so you'll have to go out and purchase a standalone health insurance policy. Um, and she's estimating that it will be about $1,200 a month from 62 to 65. I think that's probably in the ballpark. Okay. Um, and maybe on the high side, but 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 I think let's just leave it there for now until we have more information. Um, so I, what I did was I entered your health insurance now, which will stop at retirement. So, and then at retirement and for the next three years until you're 65, if you retire at 62, I've adjusted that to 1200 a month. And then uh, from 65 for the duration of your plan, I've indicated um, a reduction in health insurance expenses. So do you know much about Medicare itself? Not really. Okay. And I'm, I'm well-versed, especially recently, because we just did this Medicare show with, um, with uh, Peter Stoner, who's a Medicare consultant. And <clears throat> so you'll, between lots of different options, but generally speaking, between the Medicare premium and a supplemental plan and, and a prescription plan and with co-pays and deductibles. Most people will spend on average like th between three and $500 a month all in for like healthcare related stuff in post 65 when they're on Medicare. Okay. And so the, the difference being, well, obviously what plan you're choosing, what medications you, what prescriptions you have and how much they cost. So what prescription plan you need and what the co-pays might be. And also how frequently people are visiting the doctors and have co-pays and how, if they're hitting the deductible, if there's a hospital. So you just, that stuff you don't really know. So on the low side, I would say 300 a month. And on the high side, I would say about 500 a month. And so I just went in the middle and called it 400 a month. But if you want to run this model conservatively, we can use a higher number. For just I'd an probably estimate. stick with the 400. Okay, so we're going to assume 400 a month um, for health care expenses in retirement, modeling you being on Medicare and having a uh, supplemental and prescription plan. You can see actually right here, Cindy, that I've, I've increased the inflation assumption for health care. So remember, we use that default inflation of 3%, right? Um, line item by line item when I'm entering expenses, I have the option to alter that inflation assumption. Okay. So long-term healthcare expenses have outpaced, the, the inflation on those have outpaced traditional inflation. And I and any statistic I've seen is that they've been, they could be in the five to 6% per year on average in terms of inflationary increases on healthcare. They've probably been, health insurance expensive expenses have probably outpaced that in the last decade, I would guess, actually. Um, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's sustainable long-term, but I think that once people are on Medicare, that those inflationary increases are, seem to be a little bit more tempered. So I generally take inflation, the inflation assumption that I use in the plan that, that, that the client is comfortable using in the plan and I usually double it. Okay. So for you, we've entered a 3% assumption for inflation on just like regular expenses in life. And then I'm using a 6% per year inflation assumption for healthcare because we just want to model that that's probably going to continue to outpace regular cost of living. Okay. You comfortable with that? Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so we've 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 changed healthcare as your um, as that will change in the future in terms of the expense, um, and then I just have you can see I have this category here for where am I uh, clothing and hair like you know you know spending for uh, personal stuff and then um, travel I did separate you had a we have a line item here on our expense worksheet for travel and you indicated on average it's like a thousand bucks a month now is that fair enough twelve thousand grand e twelve thousand a year it's probably a little high. But I think I was being optimistic about what you could spend. Yes. Okay, great. So let's talk about that a little bit, actually. Um, you mentioned, well, we've been talking about you hoping to retire at 62. Mm -hmm. um, in the information you gave me, you said starting at 65, I'd like to be able to travel more. So is there a reason for that gap? Or did you mean, or did I misread that? Or are you thinking just at retirement, I want to travel more? Like you just mentioned about your niece. Uh, no, there was not a, a reason for that gap. Um, maybe thinking that at 65, I would have 100% flexibility. Oh, okay. Versus and, and working. Versus maybe working part-time. Got it. From 62 to 65. Okay. So let's, let's just have a, um, a, 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 
changing point or whatever. Let's have a transition period, just your retirement age. Okay. And for now, we're, we're still going with 62. Um, so how about I put that maybe between now and 62 for the next couple of years, because you're 60 now, um, I'll model travel costs at about $12,000 a year, okay. which is this $1,000 a month that you have in right here. And then at retirement at age 62, let's increase it. Okay. But I need some guidelines for you regarding where to, to increase it to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the best way to do that is to really think about like how often you would go visit your niece and her, and her new child. She has a child or she's having a child. She's going to she's have going a child. She's going to have a child. Um, and, or, and, you know, researching like if you want, some people are, you know, they'll say to me, I want to take one cruise every year or every other year. Or, you know, I want to be able to do five weekend trips a year. And this is roughly what they cost. Like that's the kind of the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people will just say 20 grand a year. 25 grand a year, whatever it is, 10 grand a year, you know, that, but you don't really, some people might not really know what that buys. So do you have any inclination of? So I, I, I'd probably go high and okay. say 25. 25. 25. So if, so if rough, so roughly doubling your travel budget yeah. in retirement. Yes. Perfect. I actually already sort of did that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I have now is I have your thousand dollars a month here of travel now, 12,000 right. a year. And I have that going indefinitely. We're going to talk in a minute about the fact that we have you living to age 100. But for a moment, <laughs> okay, would give me 30 seconds. Um, I have a travel expense now of 12,000 a year. For a moment, I have that indefinite to your life expectancy. Then in retirement, I'm kicking in an additional 12,000 a year. So that's going to so that's essentially so that's doubling your travel budget in a couple of years when you retire. So that's 24,000, it's not 25, but we'll just bump this to 1100. So we'll get there. Sure. Close enough. Okay. Now, let's talk about I touched upon this uh, earlier in the show that this is an example of an expense that probably won't be in your life at its current level or even at or at its retirement or at its age 62 level until you're 100. So there's a couple ways to handle, there's a few ways to handle this. We can, so agree, would you agree with me that? Yes, okay, I, okay. I doubt Just at 98, sure. I'll, okay, I'll be exactly. spending $25,000 a year on travel. Yes. I wish, okay. but I don't think so. Okay, so well, I don't know. I know some really active 90 something, <laughs> so yeah, you just never know. Um, there's a few ways to handle this in, in the software. We can, uh, number one, we can keep it at $24,000 a year. We can inflate it at 3% or whatever percent indefinitely till you're 100 and, and maybe you will travel for a long time. We can reduce it over, we can like step it down over time. Um, you know, maybe it's 24,000 a year until you're 70 and then maybe it's, uh, you know, 18 a year until you're 75. And you know, you can kind of step it down like a staircase. Um, we can leave it in any combination of these things really. We can leave it inflating until a certain point and then stop it. Like you might say, let's keep it in there until I'm 82 and then let's stop it. Cause maybe beyond that, I won't be traveling. Um, or final choice, Cindy, is in, w- this is kind of how I often approach it because I think it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I just remove the inflation factor because that models a very slow decrease in your spending over time. So while the, while the actual dollars are staying the same, so if we have $24,000 a year in retirement and that stays the same indefinitely, you're actually, it, it's purchasing power is being reduced right. by inflation, meaning it's buying you about 3% less every year. So it models a very slow decrease in your in level of activity in retirement, and okay. level of traveling activity in retirement. So of all those choices, and bear in mind that I can do a combination of any of those in the software, which one do you think is the most, which one is most attractive to you? Um, I think the last one that you mentioned, just great. Just dis- a s- very dis- slow discontinuation of the. Uh, so removing the inflation factor. Yes. Okay. Perfect. That's the easiest one to model, but okay. that's not why I like it. I like it because I think that it's the most accurate because it's, I don't, unless there's a medical issue, I don't often find that clients just travel, 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 stop. Right. The, it, if there was a health issue, sure, but you just don't know the timing of that. And so I think it's more like, you know, you're going to spend 24 grand a year traveling for a few years and then maybe it's going to kind of slowly, 
it's going to slow down beyond that. So this, so we're moving the inflation factor on these expenses. We'll keep the actual dollars the same, but the purchasing power of those dollars is being slowly reduced over the 38 year plan that we have for you, model okay. for you. Okay. So I like that too. Good. So I'm just going to, so because I have two line items for that travel expense for you, I'm just removing the inflation factor on both of those. Okay. So that's like when you're in your nineties, you're still, and, and actually I like this. Another reason I like this is because you might not necessarily be traveling in your nineties, but it could also model a, another type of discretionary expense. Like for example, you mentioned your, that you won't have grandkids of your own, but you'll have a niece who you're probably very close with and she's going to have kids. It, this could model you at age 95, putting money in a, in a, college account for them. Right. Actually, okay. that would, they would be post-college by then. <laughs> it's a long <laughs> Maybe time. Kids, you know, but, but it could, but you know, sometimes later in life, um, you know, pe people might, if they have sufficient assets, might be gifting some assets away. And so it could model that because right now, you know, maybe you're not ready for that and you don't have that in your current budget, but it just is modeling some other type of discretionary expense in your life. Okay. So food for thought on that. Um, all right, let me just go back to your budget worksheet really quick, Cindy. I think that was almost everything. Um, you just had some miscellaneous related expenses, charitable contributions, et cetera, gifting. Okay, so um, Cindy had gone through and added up her expenses for me and I went into um, a report, which I'll actually pull up in a second and um, confirm that I think we're pretty close and our, our numbers jive, so to speak. Um, all right, so the next screen is, we're gonna go to net worth, which is where I've uh, entered in your assets. So your, your tangible asset, which is, your home, and then um, we'll get to your financial assets. So number one, Cindy again has um, no debt, no mortgage, no debts, fantastic financial position to be in. Um, so no mortgage on that. I've entered the rough value of uh, your home, which you had given me is about 575,000. Um, let's for a moment, Cindy had mentioned, you know, I, I maybe envisioned myself moving to Florida someday. And I think you, give, you had given me an age. Is that like 65? I or? think 65. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's just for a moment, let's just leave that out. And so, th so this current model is you either stay in your existing condo indefinitely, or if you make a real estate move, it's to a property that costs you about the same amount of money. So it's like a lateral move. I would call that. Okay. Um, if we have time and, and we want to model you taking equity off the table or buying a home that costs more in Florida, we can do that. Okay. Um, or do, but just real quick question, do you envision a lateral financial move in terms of what you would purchase in Florida? Have you looked at property? I think it might be a little bit more. Okay, all right, 50K, um, 100K? Mm, What's maybe, your definition maybe, of a little bit? Uh, maybe 100 Okay. All right. more. Mm. All right, I think we'll have time to model that, but let me, let me just come, let's come back to that for a moment. It, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, let's get to your financial assets because I need some time to talk some of these things through. Uh, Cindy had given me um, a, a, an itemization of her financial assets um, and I, you had a couple of IRAs. You have a 401k through your employer that you're contributing to. Correct. So I entered the value of your 401k and then I did enter that you are maxing at 24.5 for 2019. Right. You, the deductible portion of your, making a deductible contribution to your 401k and that your employer matches 4%. Correct. Right? Okay, so I have that in there and obviously those contributions will stop at retirement. And then I have the value of that 401k here. I think that's the right, that's the one that you're adding to. Right. Then you had a couple of IRAs and and then you had like a, an IRA, a rollover IRA, and actually an inherited IRA from a family member or, right. or a friend. Um, I, I separated out the inherited IRA mm -hmm. because you have your required distributions from that. So the software will do a rough calculation on your required annual distributions from that account. And then I grouped the IRA and the rollover IRA together. They're at a couple of different financial institutions. I grouped them together they're about $986,000 together. Then you also had two Roth IRAs. Um, one was 45 and one was 20. So I just grouped them together as Roth IRAs and that's 65,000. Then you had, um, you had given me your checking account. I always ignore checking account Good. if it's a relatively I small amount. Yep. <laughs> um, then you had, you have, uh, in my world, this is non-qualified money or non-retirement money. Some people might call it taxable money. Um, then you had, 
you have a large cash position. My, I would call that a large cash position. Can be a good thing. Can be, can be not a good thing. We'll talk about that. So you have a money market position. You have like CDs and money markets. No CDs. Just no the CDs. Money market. Just the money market. Six hundred and sixty-seven thousand. Right. And then you have some invested monies that are not in retirement plans. Just invested monies. About four hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Okay. So I think I have the, uh, with the exception of the checking account, I have the assets. I think um, rough. I, we need to talk about how they're going to be invested, which might be different now than in the future, but we'll talk about that in one second. Um, I just had a question regarding when I run a model, if someone has a cash, hopefully everyone has a cash position. I like to make it a distinction, like regarding your 667,000 that's in a money market at, uh, at um, I want to separate that out between um, an emergency cash position and a spendable cash position. So I'm assuming that you're not I'm assuming that you're not calling 667,000 your emergency cash position because no. that's incredibly hard to believe. But um, some of that is you're okay, you'll be okay spending that down in retirement. Yes, correct. And, and, and the reason for the large cash position yeah. is from an inheritance, a fairly recent inheritance, okay, and not having a plan, right? Okay, not having a plan and yeah. knowing that. If I wanted to retire within two years, yep. I needed to better think Fair enough. what to do with that. Absolutely. Okay. Per, per, very smart. And actually, I, I wasn't sure the reason for the, the large cash position, um, but I actually, as I was going through some of your invested assets, your, your IRAs and your invested um, non-retirement account, you're fairly aggressive in those accounts. And so actually the cash position is a nice balance to that. Right. And I wasn't sure if that was the reason. Um, so I, you know, as your, if I were to be your advisor, I'd make some recommendations for some tweaks, but actually the fact that you're aggressive in your investments, it's if we were to have a bear, uh, down market, you have a large enough cash position that where you could weather that most likely. So that's actually not a bad thing. Um, but we'll walk through some specifics in a minute. Actually, um, I just realized that as I was going through your positions, I just want to touch on cost basis for a moment. Do you know what cost basis is, if I say that term? Yes. Uh, tax basis. So when I, when when someone has a, a non-retire an investment account or brokerage account, you might say that's a non-retirement account. It's just in your name. It's not inside of an IRA or rollover four hundred and one k. The the tax ability of that is different than it is with a retirement account. With a retirement account, like your 401k rollover, as those dollars are earning dividends and growing hopefully over time, um, there's no taxes due. That's called a tax deferred account. There's no taxes due as interest and dividends are paid and, and, and earnings are achieved. There are taxes due on a retirement account when you draw the money out and you make a withdrawal and you're paying taxes at regular income rates, whatever your tax bracket is in that year. The exception is the Roth IRA, which is tax-free after five years post 59 and a half. With a non-retirement account, it, you're, as that account earns dividends and interest, that you're paying taxes on that. You'll get a 1099 right. and you'll pay taxes on that along the way. That's why some people call it a taxable account because it's just kind of like taxed ongoing. Mm -hmm. um, and also if you, if, if you sell shares and the share price is higher at the time you sell it than it was when you purchased it and you had share price appreciation, then you're paying capital gains taxes when you sell off some shares. So, so it's just taxed a little bit differently. Cindy, can you believe another half hour went by? I told no. Cindy that this show, she's like, two hours? And I'm like, it flies by. Um, uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm chatting with Cindy Hill. We're working through creation of a retirement plan for her. And um, we're, we're getting to the good stuff. We're almost there. Uh, we're just taking a quick break. Uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. This is a super fun show because it's a real, real life analysis with a real life volunteer here. So stay with us. We'll be back in about six minutes, five, four minutes. I forget how long this break Sold. is. Sold. Six we'll, minutes. We'll be right back.